0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. In the last few weeks, we've seen real tumult in the world of British royalty as Meghan Markle and Prince Harry announced a decision to step away from their roles as senior members of the royal family. It is a huge deal, not just because of the departure from the norm, but also because of the reasons. Reports about the decision say that one of the big reasons behind it is the couple's treatment by the British press, and specifically its racist treatment of Meghan Markle, who's African-American. Queen Elizabeth says she supports the couple's decision to live a more independent life, and part of that will mean living in North America at least part-time. In a little bit, we're going to talk more about race and the royal family and the role that race and racism is playing in this drama. But first, what does the possibility of royalty coming to live in Canada mean to Canadians? Here to tell us is a Canadian columnist who has been following the story. Brad Hunter, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? I'm great. Uh, So let's start with you catching us up. To speed on what the Queen said yesterday about Harry and Meghan stepping back from royal life, and what it means that they may be coming to Canada.
1: Uh, yeah, they've. I mean, both are. Uh, I guess you know the by background. Yeah, you know, they're both. Megan lived here for a number in Toronto for a number of years, specifically while she was filming Suits, and you know was quite comfortable here, and it's you know kind of you know, a, a soft landing sort of thing. And, and Harry has spent a significant amount of time here. He trained uh, in Canada before he went to Afghanistan. He had the unfortunate incident with the stripper in Calgary. Mm-hmm. So he's well-versed in uh, in in Canada. But I think um, they had been, you know, talking for quite some time about, you know, perhaps changing their lives, I think. You know, she signed on the dotted line with the royal family and wasn't didn't quite know what it was going to all entail. Now, mm-hmm. the, the queen has given them their blessings, but that doesn't mean the queen is happy.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so give us a sense of the Canadian relationship with. The royal family of Britain, of course, uh, there's a lot of history there, and there's still a connection. But, but give us a sense of how Canadians will will see this.
1: Well, I I think you know, I mean, there's there's two different views, but uh, I mean. Uh, Canada, Canada was was before uh, became uh, an independent country was the old UK's oldest colony, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a significant amount of uh, goodwill to the royal family here, even even now, particularly to the Queen, uh, even among. Republicans who might, you know, want to see Canada sever its ties with the monarchy uh, will, will tell you they admire the queen greatly. And, and the people uh, are – it's a weird sort of thing. I mean, you and I could sit in the bar and you could say, yeah, but why a queen? And, you know, I, I'd be dumbfounded to really <laughs> answer, but I think it's, you know, in our DNA to a certain extent that we like having a monarchy. We like And we like the queen.
0: so 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 tell us how different it will be in canada for this couple one of the things that they say that they're really frustrated with one of the reasons that they're leaving britain is the relationship with the press uh there is a racial dimension to that as well but but let's first just talk about how canadian press might deal with this couple differently
1: sure i mean there's there's 12 newspapers in London even today, which is you know unthinkable in in North America, mm-hmm. uh, and and they're voracious voracious competitors, and I can see why dealing with them uh, would be uh, a bit of a drag. Uh, I you know it's it's going to be much more deferential in Canada. I mean you know there might be a tidbit of hairier. Megan doing a good deed or stopping by a local hot dog stand or Archie uh, being signed up for hockey or something like that. (laughs) But as far as, you know, Paps hanging out in the trees with long range lenses, uh, that's that's just not going to happen here. Hmm.
0: Uh, And what about the the
1: expense
0: uh, in in Britain? Of course, it costs money, but is that going to is that going to transfer over to Canada now? Uh, the way the official rules, the way it works
1: now is that Canada doesn't contribute financially to the monarchy directly. Now we have a Governor General who's it's a symbolic position, but she's uh, the Queen's representative in Canada, sort of thing. Uh, but uh, and, and generally, the rule is, is that when the royals are here, we pay for them. But you know this hasn't this is a all all new because you know we're looking at probably a more than a million dollar a year security tab and. Um And you know, I think that's one of the might be one of the reasons that that they've chosen Canada. The other thing is Harry has no standing in the United States. Canada, he is still HRH, his Royal Highness. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you know, when you're getting into security and different things like that, and allowances, and you know, as if you, you know, uh, more reputable uh, newspapers on Fleet Street will tell you that uh, that you know that Charles has been. You know, shifting over about eleven million bucks a year to them, but I, you know, I think that that might be, you know, the, 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 the it, things that may get interesting for them financially. I mean, unless you know, they sell their soul and do uh, <laughs> do Oprah and things like that.
0: Well, and we we heard recently about Meghan Markle's contract with with Disney plus there are have been many moves to trademark some things that are associated with the couple I mean I think there's it's pretty clear that their plan is to to live at least in some ways a more celebrity type lifestyle than a royal lifestyle and I I guess there's a there's a real difference between those two. Oh
1: no! I mean, uh, Piers Morgan who's never never minces words as you know called them Kardashian wannabes, <laughs> and and that's the the real fear. There's a you know part of the thing is, is is it seems you know very odd for Harry because you know here's a guy that did a couple tours of Afghanistan that you know you know has you know an impeccable record of uh, you know duty to Queen and country and uh, and beyond. And uh, you know, I think you know one of the things that uh, that came out of the Brit papers was that you know their model is uh, Barack Obama and uh, and uh, Michelle, mm. um, that they want that kind of you know kind of you know worthy woke kind of rock star come celebrity sort of uh, uh, a brand,
0: right. Right. Uh, This is Detroit Today. I'm 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Brad Hunter. He's a columnist with the Toronto Sun. We're talking about the decision by Prince Harry and Meghan Markle to leave the monarchy in many ways, to leave senior member status and move to Canada, at least part-time, as a way of getting away from the British press, some of the pressure of being part of the royal family, and getting away from uh, the context of race and racism that unfolds in the British press and in the country of uh, of England and and the Britain, uh, the British, uh, uh, the uh, the British. Uh, uh confederacy i guess is what you would call it <laughs> i'm showing my british ignorance here on the radio um uh, if you want to join the conversation give us a call uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones that's 313-577-1019 tell us what you make of this decision by megan and harry to step away from their roles as members of the royal family do you applaud it do you think they're being Reckless? Do you think they're being selfish? Uh, what do you think of the way that the couple, and especially Meghan, have been treated by the press in Britain? And do you really care that much about what happens to the royal family in Britain? Again, 313 1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag DetroitToday. And we will work you into the conversation uh, before we get to listeners. Brad, I want to talk a little about this context of race and racism, and and how it may also be different in Canada than it is uh, in Britain. Of course, race is an issue in in every country, really uh, around the around the globe. It's just a matter of how it plays out and how the history plays into it. But but give us some sense of what they might expect in Canada and how that would differ from what they're experiencing in Britain.
1: I, do, I mean, race in Canada is a very complicated uh, thing, you know, as, as it is, you know, that's not necessarily terribly profound, but that, you know, that's, uh, but it is, it's a much more complicated thing. It's uh, more, uh, God, more quiet, more a quieter sort of thing, but is, you know, is, is, is there going to be innuendo uh, about her race uh, appearing in uh, newspapers and on TV and different things like that? No. Uh, in fact, I expect that uh, they should probably have an ex- extended honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, she lived. You know she knows uh, sort of what she's getting into on those sorts of attitudes because she lived in Toronto for a number of years, and Toronto is the most multicultural city in the world. I mean, you know, you essentially have to get along with other people and uh, and and put your racism aside and figure it out. And I think that may have been one of the things she was looking forward to, you know, or, or thinking uh, in, in doing this. Mm-hmm. This is not going to be an issue in this country.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, again, 313 1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Sean in Windsor. Sean, welcome to Detroit today.
2: Oh, well, thank you. I'm uh, calling from the uh, Commonwealth here on the uh-huh. other side of the river. <laughs> 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 anyway, anyway, I just want to say that You know, my wife mentioned to me, like, why the about-face after, you know, an extravagant royal wedding and knowing uh, what they were, you know, what both of them were signed up for. And, you know, I'm I'm supportive of them, but, you know, that that is something worth pointing out. Of course, I don't want to discount the fact that everyone's entitled to change their minds. Mm -hmm. I think they'd be an asset to Canada. I, I, I mean, I think the dimension of, you know, an interracial royal couple The effects will be tremendous, potentially. Um, But there's a bit of a sales uh, pitch to the public of uh, absorbing the cost of security. But I don't see why they can't generate value beyond that. So I think it's a question of how they stick handle and handle their way through it. And I think they will. And, uh, you know, the rest of it's... uh, a
0: lot of hot air, yeah, <laughs> Sean. <laughs> no, I appreciate the call and that and that perspective, uh, Sean. I wonder if you can talk a little about how much you care about the idea of British royalty living in Canada. Is this something you see as a compliment to Canadians and to Canadian culture, or do you think it's just kind of uh, a non a non issue? So the
2: anti-establishment side of me has always been, you know, kind of. Sex pistols, God save the queen, sort of thing. But you know, I I kind of feel you know a little bit you know not anti royal, but but I think you know now that it's here, <laughs> I'm thinking you know this could be used for great things, mm. and it goes back to how they handle it, and I think you know I have every reason to believe they're going to handle it correctly. I think it'll be a tremendous could be a could be a tremendous asset. I mean, they can open doors and trade and and, and supporting Canadian companies and kind of just promoting. Um, the direction we ought to be going, but there's going to be a backlash that, you know, we're spending too much on security and this and that, and and people trying to not look at the whole picture, Mm. but I think it's a a compliment, you know, to us, Mm. and uh, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, this is not a deficit situation. It doesn't have to be. I think think it could be a win-win all the way around, so I'm happy for it, and uh, I think it can send a great message to the world, so... Mm. I think they're going to handle it properly. I think uh, it seems strong.
0: Yeah. All right, Sean. I appreciate the call uh, and the perspective of Brad Hunter. Uh, are Torontons uh, sort of in the same space with this, do you think? Yeah,
1: I think – I, I mean there's an element that you know I I think everybody thinks it's a good thing you know you have to be pretty crusty not to uh think it's a good thing uh, but you know I mean my mother's 75 and at uh, her seniors building uh they're not uh, they're not very happy with with you know how they see the uh, queen has been slated they're not I I mean every, everybody else doesn't really care as much but, but older people are, you know, that's, I mean, you go into a legion hall in Canada, you take off your hat and you uh, toast the queen. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a generation, but I, but I think it's, it's a positive thing, you yeah. know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sean, I appreciate the call and especially you calling in from across the river and in Canada. Uh, we have a lot of Canadian listeners here on WDET. So uh, let's go to Robert in Detroit. Robert. What's on your mind? Um, I absolutely agree with your guest. This is an amazing thing. And I think that this couple, I wish them all the best. They're going to be an example for the rest of the world on how things can be. And I I applaud that. As far as security,
2: all of our ex-presidents and their families have security, Mm -hmm. and we pay for it. It's not a big
0: deal in the U.S. Why would it be a big deal in the U.K.? Hmm. I think the real issue here is, does the Queen want uh, taxing officials in Canada to be looking at the money that's coming into them and um, <clears throat> having any kind of um, insight into that kind of privacy matter. Huh. That's an interesting so part-time dimension. Part time residency, I'm wondering from a Canadian perspective, the idea that they wanted to prolong this is this a way of saying um, you, you don't have to disclose because you're a part time resident? And um, why, um, why not huh. do that sooner? Is this, is that that's an interesting question, resident? Robert. Yeah, go ahead, Brad. Uh, yeah, I, I think
1: uh, you know. I, I mean, obviously, there's going to be tax considerations for them and whatnot. But uh, you know, I think I think that they're so anxious to break free of the yoke of uh, the firm, as the royal family is sometimes called, that that you know that that's fine. They're not even worried about that, um, and the taxes. Well, I mean, where you earn your money, that's where you're taxed. You know, for instance, uh, you know, if I was, you know, making money in the U.S., you know, I worked for the New York Post for six years. So mm-hmm. when I was there, you know, I paid my taxes in the United States. He'll have to pay his taxes here. Hmm. So so that's good for us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he's raking in tons of money. <laughs>
0: right, right. Um, the money-making opportunities in Canada for this couple – are also i think an interesting dimension of of this narrative i think the assumption is that they're moving closer to the united states and that the money making opportunities may be here but but talk about how they might make money off celebrity in in toronto well i think
1: i i i don't, I don't know i mean i, you know, I really you know, I, I freelanced for many years. And I never made any money in Canada. It was all, <laughs> you know, it was all outside the country. Uh, I, But what it is, is a really nice base that opens doors that doesn't carry the same political baggage around the world as being, say, an American or a Brit. It's, you know, kind of... You know, maybe a little bit more milk toast, but you know, uh, you know, you might get into more doors. I mean, the one, the one opportunity they could have is they could be, you know, uh, become spokespeople for our booming uh, cannabis industry. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm sh- I'm not sure the Queen would be amused, but
0: uh, <laughs> right, that might not be what she has in mind. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Okay, Brad Hunter, columnist with the Toronto Sun, it was really fun to have you here with us to talk about this today. Thanks for being here.
1: Anytime, Stephen. You have a great day. You too.
0: All right, Thanks. we're going to take a quick break. and we come back, we are going to continue talking about the royal family and the drama unfolding there. We're going to talk with a romance novelist who writes about black royalty who says she saw all of this coming. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Michael and Windsor, Dolores in Detroit, we'll hear from you as well. And if you want to join them, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. you're listening to these right today on 101.9 WDET I'm Stephen Henderson and as always I'm really glad you have joined us. We're talking right now about the drama unfolding in the British monarchy as Prince Harry and Meghan Markle say they've had enough of senior member life as part of the royal family. They're going to step back from those duties and, in fact, move away from Britain, at least part of the time, moving to Canada, where they think maybe life will be a bit normal. I want to talk a little bit now and change the subject just a bit to talk about the racial dimensions of this story, the racial context in which all of this unfolds. There have been several reports that one of the things that is driving the couple out of the country is the racist treatment that Meghan Markle has experienced, not only by the British press, but in some other corners of that country. Joining us now to talk more about that part of the story is Alyssa Cole. She is a romance writer who authored a piece in the Washington Post recently that was titled As a black romance writer, I knew Meghan and Harry would flee British racism. Melissa Cole, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi,
3: thank you for having me.
0: Yes, thanks for being with us. Uh, So uh, talk about the role that race is playing in this story and talk about this piece that you've written in the post that says you could see this coming uh, for a long time.
3: Well, I think... For me, it was always clear that race was going to be an issue. Um, We have seen, as soon as it was announced that they were dating, there were issues of racism popping up in the media as well as um, on social media with people commenting and saying awful things. And um, I really think race is the main issue here. Well, there are two issues. There's race and how it's driving negativity toward the couple, and then that's paired with um, what Prince Harry himself has already gone through with his mother, Princess Diana, who was, in a way, literally killed by the media, um, the paparazzi chasing her. Mm-hmm. So um, racism, I think, plays a role because, you know, there's the idea of royalty. Well, if you're talking about European royalty, the idea that, you know the British monarchy, there's a sense of purity in the sense of um, white aristocracy. So then when Prince Harry brings home um, someone who's not British, not aristocracy, and biracial, some people were not going to be pleased with that. Um, and then there's also the aspect of, um, you know, Britain has a long history of racism, just like America does. Mm-hmm. and it still has a lot of unresolved issues with that. And a lot of those are coming or are playing out in the way Megan is covered. Um, She's shown as difficult, demanding, pushy, bossy, sexual somehow is being used to describe her, even though she dresses very similarly to Kate Middleton Mm -hmm. um, in a reserved way. And even just the way that Kate Middleton, who also undergoes attack in the media, but in a different way, um, the way they're kind of being played against each other um, and how they react to something that Megan does as opposed to the same thing that Kate Middleton does. Um, I think it's just, you know, it's for me, it's very apparent. Um, and in writing my books, um, I wasn't initially right. The first book is about African royalty in mm-hmm. a made-up kingdom. Um, but over the course of the book, it kind of covers the fact of It's romantic comedy, so it doesn't delve deeply into racism, but the way that Western society and the world kind of views um, Blackness and Black women, um, and the fact that Megan is kind of seen as uh, usurping the place of Someone better than her than who could be there. Hmm. So, and that better for many people is a white woman.
0: Yeah, yeah. uh, There was a BuzzFeed article that uh, that I was looking at in preparation for the show that compared twenty headlines about Kate Middleton and Mm -hmm. Meghan Markle about the same things. Right? These were stories about the very same kinds of. Uh, things that they were doing or saying, and the difference in the way that Meghan Markle was portrayed uh, was really stunning in in each of these headlines. I mean, th- th- there was almost uh, an uh, you know an exact opposite kind of uh, kind of portrayal. Uh, can you give us other examples of the way, sort of the specific way and way in, in which? They have covered this this African American woman really differently than they have covered a- any other member of of the royal family.
3: Um, I think it's just the fact that they kind of nitpick every single thing from the way she crosses her legs to if she shows her legs to when she's doing something, you know, for charity. Then it's of course she's being fake. Um, Or she's not doing enough. It's literally, it seems to be that anything she does is the wrong thing, which is an extreme form of gaslighting. And I can't, and also while she was pregnant, she was treated, it seemed to me, even worse. Like there was just this kind of buildup of negative feelings against her that seemed to really originate in the idea that, um, well, if you're going to make your, if you're going to be here, we're going to make you pay for it. Mm. Um, And I don't think this is a conscious I think I think it's something that happens to to black women Mm -hmm. in the public eye all the time. You see how people um, how people respond to, for example, Beyonce being pregnant or Serena Williams being pregnant um, compared to uh, a white actress or celebrity or sports figure being pregnant. Um, There there are a lot of think pieces about how they're doing it wrong somehow, um, how they're showing off, how they're Or how they're not being safe, or things like that. Like there's always some kind of nitpicking, and I think because when you think about the way that Black women have been portrayed, and this is something that I think about a lot when I'm writing my romance, um, which also has a diversity issue. Mm -hmm. um, With the it's the largest industry, you know, the highest number of books are published that are published are romance. But there is such a small percentage of those books that are about Black women or other women of color. Sure. And I think part of that is the kind of—it's a subconscious aspect of Western society that has always said that um, Black women are undesirable, which you know obviously doesn't make sense when you think about the history of how Black women were treated by uh, slave masters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's, but it's kind of like okay, they're undesirable. These are, the, these are the things that we say about them, they're undesirable, they are um, crude, they are like all of these negative things that don't play out in reality, but have been kind of embedded in the social, the white Western social consciousness, which is the one that we all live in at this point. And I think it really comes out strongly when black women are shown being loved. And I think that's a huge thing in the Meghan Markle thing. Um, the fact that Harry loves her so clearly mm-hmm. and without reservation. So it, you know, people make up these reasons. Oh, she must have brainwashed him. She's manipulating him, and all of these things like that. Because that's easier for them to believe than the fact that a black woman could be loved unreservedly,
0: mm-hmm. and especially by a member of of the royal family. Yeah. You know, I wonder. I wonder what you make of <clears throat> of. Harry's position here I mean this was obviously you know he married the person that he fell in love with and and that's what you know people do but the context for that love and for that act are are is so fraught with with not just the racial dimension but all these other kinds of considerations as a member of the royal family I wonder what you make of of his reaction to all of this do you think he expected that people would do the things that they have done or say the things that they have said about his wife
3: I think given his background he probably had some idea but you know there's having some idea that of course they would the press would go after her but I, he probably didn't imagine to this level because in a way it's really unprecedented, because there have not been any um, women of color in the royal family before. Um, So there was really no way, like, you know, he saw how the press treated his mother. He's grown up in the eye of the paparazzi. He has some idea how they function, but um, I'm sure he didn't imagine it would be to this extent. And the biggest change is that he seems to be the only one in the royal family saying well okay I'm not going to allow my family to be treated like this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to allow my wife or my child to be treated like this and kind of he's trying to one of the things I talked about in the Washington Post article is that in um, families and you know the royal family they're the British royalty but they're also a family sure. Um there are kind of cycles that get repeated there are ideas of you know well this is just the way things are especially in dysfunctional families and um harry seems you know a lot of this is about megan wanting to move but people are underestimating the fact that harry is the one who is from that family and he's the one who is breaking the cycle of dysfunction in the family and saying well you know all of this sucks <laughs> i'm not going <laughs> to deal with it i'm not going to subject my family to this and we're going to leave um because there's no reason to put up with it yeah. so yeah. i think that's something that you know that was the main thing that stuck out to me like they seem to be a couple who really talk about things and communicate well obviously i don't know we're not <laughs> I, I don't know them personally but just from um the front that they're putting forth it seems to be a united front but also that this is Harry has been in this kind of dynamic for his entire life, so it's also a, a huge deal for him to decide, okay, well, we're not going to do this anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, there's no reason to live like this. Yeah.
0: Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is always the number here on the phones. Uh, call and tell us what you think of the drama unfolding in the British monarchy. Uh, let's start with Tim in Detroit. Tim. What's going on in your uh, mind?
1: You know, uh, uh, Stephen, and, and your guests, I think uh, maybe this is a chance for uh, people to have a, a different understanding of, about race. Uh, maybe it'll help things, because I think the media is, has been a major problem in talking about her, but the people in the media have to know that she is by no stretch the first African-American British royal. If you look at Queen Charlotte, Hmm. If you look yes. at Prince Philippa, mm-hmm. they're clearly African have African descent. So maybe maybe this would help dispel the ignorance and, and kind of get people thinking
0: different. Huh. Yeah, Tim, that's a really interesting that's a really interesting point. Uh, Alyssa Cole, can you talk more about the history of African people and people of African descent uh in in the royal family?
3: Um no, I think the point that you made is correct, and there. But with those people, there has all like with much of history, history books can say, "Well, we don't really know," or <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, kind of gloss over that fact. And then with Meghan Markle, there's no way of glossing it over. With Archie, there's no way of glossing it over. With the royal wedding and like all of the displays of you know, American blackness that were on display at the wedding. There's no way of glossing that over. And I think that's partially, you know, why the reaction has been what it is. But I do think it is a good opportunity to talk about um, race and also race in Britain. because, you know, Britain was an empire, uh, my family is half British. And, you know, I have family who live there who deal with the aspects of, Brit- of racism that are, you know, it's the same as in the U.S., but also different in specific ways given uh, British culture. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good way to, if they are willing for British um, people to really, for white British people to really investigate uh, how racism plays out and the insidious ways that racism can play out.
0: Mm. Yeah. Uh, Again, uh, uh, Tim, thanks very much for the call uh, and the and the question. Uh, let's go to Dolores in Detroit. Dolores, you're in yes, the air.
3: thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I actually had a question for your prior guest, but it's t- it ties in with this discussion mm-hmm. because when you asked him about his description of racism in Canada, he sort of got into this squeamish uh, thing about well, it's complicated and mm-hmm. left left it at that. And mm-hmm. Didn't didn't seem to have a real answer, uh, and. Um, As a a former Canadian, now married to an American and living here, I've been appalled at the situation that I left when I came years ago. It still exists. Racism is is alive and well in Canada, Mm -hmm. and uh, I just want to to make that clear. It's not so complicated. What is complicated is that they refuse to address it.
0: Yeah, I, I think his point was, I was asking him about the history of race and racism in Canada and how it was different from the United States. And I think his his point was that it was complicated and that it's different and that it's not the same history, but that, and, and he acknowledged that that race is is a huge issue in Canada, and racism is a big problem. Um, and I think he didn't necessarily want to get into sort of a dissertative uh, explication of that on 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 the show. But I hear what you're saying, um, Alyssa Cole. I know that this is not exactly your area of specialty, but but maybe you can help talk about the differences between race and racism as they're sort of uh on display and and influencing cultures here in America and in Britain and in Canada of course every country has its own history and that the yeah. differences matter but they they what they have in common is that racism is a, a real presence in all of those cultures
3: um yeah and i think like specifically in these countries all of the racism is linked to the slave trade um which was, you know, inherently based on the fact that um, people of African descent were inferior. That was the only way sure. for them to justi- justify the slave trade, and so those ideas have become entrenched in um, these societies on some level. Even if people don't, even if people on an individual level do not believe that, um, the systems and the societies are often ways of reinforcing those ideas. And um, with Canada, I'm not an expert on Canada, but I do know like it's kind of seen as as this uh, haven from racism, and I'm sure people have many different experiences there. But in my research for other books, I did see that the first uh, what people call race riots, I don't like the term race riot, but Mm. the first, um, you know, kind of riot where people were attacking—where white people attacked people of African descent—actually happened in Canada. It was after the uh, Civil—after the Revolutionary War. I don't know. I'm going to—just to briefly cover it. During the Revolutionary War, um, the British offered sanctuary to enslaved black people who would flee from their masters and come to the side of the British. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe it's called the Dunsmore— decree or -hmm. something like that Mm -hmm. you can google it but so after after the war um you know black people were betrayed by both sides um some people were did go to canada some people were sent to canada and then things it wasn't like they went to some utopia they were treated terribly there too and some of their descendants are still there um so you know things are different but in general, in places where white supremacy is the predominant system, there are going to be overlapping uh, ways in which racism manifests. Yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, again, Dolores, I really appreciate the call and your perspective. Okay, Alyssa Cole, romance writer who authored a piece in the Washington Post about the royal family and the breakup of the royal family and Harry and Megan, it was really great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Up next, we're going to talk with Outlier Media's Caitlin Allo, uh, who recently looked into what it means to have to live next door to a foreclosed house here in Detroit. Stay with us on Detroit Today.